Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, brought to you by the Sportsman Channel. All hunting, all fishing, all the time. Contact your local network provider and ask about the Sportsman Channel today. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Christian Berg. Hello and welcome to another episode of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting and as always we're glad that you've taken the time to join us for the latest and greatest bowhunting information. Today we're going to be talking all about arrows and attempting to demystify the mystical flight of the arrow with Lenny Resmer. Lenny is the executive vice president of Eastman Outdoors which uh, manufactures Carbon Express arrows uh, and Gorilla Gear, uh, tree stands, ground blinds, and related products. And uh, obviously we're going to be focusing on Carbon Express with Lenny. And we've got Lenny on the line. And uh, welcome to Bowhunting Radio, and thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thanks you for having me here, Chris. Uh, and and uh, enjoy being uh, anything to talk about uh, the bowhunting and archery and uh especially which is dear to my heart, the, the Carbon Express line of our Carbon Arrows. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I actually met you face-to-face for the first time just recently, but uh, from talking to some other folks, uh, you're, you're, I guess you're somewhat legendary in the bow hunting world in terms of the breadth and depth of experience that you've had with arrow shafts and, and shooting. Um you know, just for myself and the folks who are listening, tell me a little bit about how long you've been involved, Lenny, in the archery business and in arrow making. Well, this is uh, my uh, 38th year in the archery industry, making my living at it. I started off when I was 14 years old uh, in an archery shop, helping out there. And uh, my first uh, job for the first two and a half years was making arrows. And back then we had uh, microflight arrows, wood arrows, and silver aluminum arrows. That was the only thing that was available. With still, most of our sales at that time was with the wood arrows. So I was taking and dipping these things in various lacquers and then grinding the, the knocks and points and, and putting feathers on because everything was feathers in those days. And then even the silver shafts, We'd sometimes dip them in an olive drab, because a drab and or a black color, you know, to make them a little bit more or less shiny out there for the hunter. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a number of years. In fact, those first two and a half years, I was making about a hundred thousand arrows a year on that. And then I left Ernold's Archery about nine, uh, excuse me, eighty-four, and joined the outfit called Game Tracker, which uh, a few years back uh, got bought out by Eastman Outdoors, but. In 1994, we took over on a carbon arrow company called AFC. They were one of the original two in arrow, carbon arrow companies out there, and at that time was protruded arrows. And that was kind of my baby from the start when we took over. I helped out for about two years, or in 82 and 83, excuse me, uh, yeah, 92 and 93, I helped out AFC with their projects of arrows. And we just decided to take over on it as a company. And I've been involved with every arrow shaft and everything to do since that time on Carbon Arrows with our company. So you guys basically, in taking over that company, it was around that 1993 time frame that the Carbon Express name was born, or was that a little bit later? Well, it was full. It was AFC for about three, maybe four years on that. We took a, put in a Carbon Express in going into the ATA show of uh, 97. Gotcha. When we changed it to Carbon Express from AFC. So the bottom line is you've been uh, you've been in arrow making for almost four decades, and you've been in carbon shafts pretty much from the ground floor since these things hit the scene. And going forward, uh, you've been intimately involved in all the design and manufacture of the Carbon Express line and its predecessor at AFC. That is correct, yes. From uh, from A to Z when it comes to uh, from the, the Carbon Express line since we've taken over in, in 94. Gotcha. You know, it's funny. I actually just had... Uh, 
talked to somebody and done a little bit of writing about uh, some shafts from one of your competitors uh, over at Gold Tip, which I guess was the other one. You had mentioned AFC as one of the two, uh, I guess, originators of the carbon shaft. I think Gold Tip was the other company, right, that actually had come out with the first all-carbon arrow. And uh, uh, Well, actually, it was Beeman. Oh, it was Beeman. Beeman, Beeman and AFC were in the 80s were the first the first two carbon arrow companies out there uh, making protruded type all carbon arrows. Gotcha. And the um, reason I bring that up is just because um, when you think about it, you know, we as bow hunters, uh, especially if you're just getting into the sport, you know, today or in the last maybe eight or ten years even, you know, certainly five to eight, you probably never shot anything but carbon. And uh, you kind of take it for granted, but, you know, circa 1990, this was revolutionary stuff, and there were a lot of people who didn't really think it was necessarily going to go anywhere. I mean, aluminum was king for, for a good run, you know, and uh, this was this was brand new stuff. Um, why do you think carbon has been so successful over the last decade and just kind of capturing you know the vast vast majority of market share there's still guys out there obviously who shoot aluminum but i think it's fewer and fewer all the time yeah it, it gets down to two things one is durability the, a carbon arrow generally lasts uh, much longer to than aluminum arrow because you know it doesn't bend it uh you know what i'm saying bend it doesn't take a permanent set bend it'll flex but it, it won't take and bend like an aluminum arrow does and number two, it is a flatter trajectory that delivers all that energy forward when it hits an animal for greater penetration. So you get much better penetration with the shaft, and it's much more durable. Those two factors right there is a huge advantage for, for hunting and also a huge advantage in the pocketbook from as many aluminum arrows that uh, archers used to go through in the past. Right. Now, when you say a flatter trajectory, is that simply a function of the reduced weight of the carbon shaft compared to the... It can be both reduced weight, though there is some heavier carbon shafts out there designed for maybe more kinetic energy out there. But the reason uh, is it the, when you shoot an arrow out of a bolt in slow motion, if you've ever seen it done slow motion, there's a lot of oscillation. In other words, give. We could call it Archer's Paradox when that arrow comes out of the bow. You're Aluminum talking, you're bends the flex. Yeah, you're talking about the way that the shaft basically flexes uh, as it leaves the bow? Yes, as it, that, that, uh, that kinetic energy is put on the back end, which we then refer to as it hits that arrow, and that the arrow will bend and gives it kind of like a spine to it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a dynamic spine. Mm -hmm. That flex or that oscillation on aluminum arrow after it leaves the bow, it's still oscillating many times 10 to 20 yards out. Where a carbon arrow wants to stay straight, and as soon as it leaves the bow, it starts to correct itself at half or, in many cases, one-third the distance. In fact, with our new built-in weight-forward kind of dual-spine arrows, like in our Maxima Hunter, that starts to correct within a within two yards out of the bow, and a lot of times within three or four yards, it's already totally recovered. So in in basically straightening out uh, more quickly after the shot, does that result in the shaft then uh, retaining, you know, a larger percentage of the energy and carrying it to the target as opposed to using it to flop around in the air? That is, yes, that is, that's absolutely correct because you use a lot of energy with it oscillating back and forth instead of forward momentum. It's trying to correct itself. So you lose that forward momentum. If you take, like, for instance, aluminum arrow of the same spine, same weight, carbon arrow, same spine, same weight, shoot them through a conograph out of the bow, they'll be relatively exactly the same because you're shooting them right, setting that at like one, one mark yard. However, at 40 yards, and you had another conograph set up out there, number one, the aluminum arrow is going to drop more because it has slowed up, and, and that feet per second could be as significant as seven to eight feet per second slower at that distance. Gotcha. Let's, uh, let's take a quick step 
back or aside here to talk about this term that we've been throwing around the last couple minutes of spine. I think that spine, uh, I think another word that's used is deflection. Um, I'm not sure. I kind of understand those two things as, as one and the same, but maybe they're not quite, and you can help me out as well as the listeners. You know, when we talk about spine or deflection, uh, we're basically talking about the stiffness of the arrow and specifically in terms of deflection, how how much give is in the shaft. So if we say, you know, that, that a particular shaft has a, a 300 spine or a 400 spine, we're typically saying that it's going to flex 0.3, you know, 3 tenths of an inch or 4 tenths of an inch. Uh, is that right, Lenny? And, and explain that to the folks a little bit more. How, how is spine and or deflection? First, first tell me if they're the same thing and then tell me why they're important and why guys sort of need to know what they are and match up the, the proper stiffness for the bow that they're shooting. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's kind of take this from the start. You've got two type of characteristics of spine. One is what we call a static spine, and the other one is a dynamic spine, which is the deflection uh, that comes out of a bow. Static spine, and that's how all arrows are measured, is they take a 28-inch span, put a 1.94-pound weight in the center of that, and measure the difference before and after the weight, and that give, or in other words, that bend there is measured in thousands and gives you the spine of the shaft. So you can have a 350, a 400, 500, and as you keep going in 500, 600, it's .700. .700. As you keep going a higher number, that means it's a weaker spine. So what you have is, as you so, got so a three draw or lighter bows. So hang, re- hang on, Lenny, just to, again to help people understand. So you're saying a, you know, a point three hundred is a stiffer shaft than a point four hundred or a point five hundred. That is correct. Those are a weaker spine. Gotcha. All right, and and the reason that you have different spines out there is all due then to what I keep saying as dynamic spine, mm-hmm. is with a bow. If we were all shooting machines, in other words, there's a lot of shooting machines out there designed that you put your bow and they shoot the bow exactly the same. But humans have a lot of flaws to them. So what you need is things what we call recovery, or I should say better recovery, recovery, forgiveness. Recovery is after it leaves the bow. Forgiveness. So that when you shoot, and one time you torque your hand a little bit more, or you don't get a smooth release, you know, or certain your, your body is in a good position for them, when you do that each time, you're going to shoot just a little bit different. It's that forgiveness you need in the arrow on that on when that thrust is being put in there uh, is, is what we call dynamic uh, spine. So you need that to give a little bit. Now, you don't want it to give too much because then it will whip all over coming out. But you don't want it to be too weak, as, I mean, too stiff a spine because then it won't have the forgiveness. There's that happy medium where you got to hit that's going to give you good reaction, good groupage and shots time after time for the way the human body performs. You know, if we were all shooting machines, you only need one spine and it would be very stiff, but we're not that. So you need forgiveness coming out, and that forgiveness varies on the stiffness of the spine compared to the length of your arrow, and the weight of your bow or the type of the bow. In other words, if you're shooting a real slow bow, uh, it's not giving as much dynamic kinetic energy on the the end of it, so you need a lighter spine to adjust for it. But some of these high-tech bows today, where they're shooting 350 and 360 feet per second, they need then a stiffer arrow because that that thrust is being put there at an enormous amount of rate and a power stroke, so they need that stiffer arrow, and that stiffer arrow will still, in slow motion, bend, you know, equivalent to what, a, a, um, I say, a less poundage bow or a less efficient, slower bow out. The bend is the same because you still need that forgiveness, but it's this, that stiffer spine you need for that higher, higher dynamic spine kinetic, or dynamic kinetic energy being pushed on the back end. Gotcha. If so, you're following what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. What you're saying is, um, you know, if you have one shooter who's drawing 25 pounds 
and you have another shooter who's drawing 75 pounds, the guy who's shooting 75 obviously needs a much stiffer shaft than the guy who's shooting 25, but if you looked at the flight of those two arrows and the way that they bend coming off the bow, they're going to look very similar because the spine or stiffness of the shaft is matched properly to the amount of kinetic energy that that bow is pushing into the arrow. That, that is absolutely correct. But then also the next thing is too is the, the today, and that's why we do this uh, this and, and several of the other companies. You know, we make a chart that when you go to determine what size arrow you should use, mm-hmm. we have a chart you can just go to and say, okay, I'm shooting 60 pounds and it's 29 inch arrow, and then here's kind of they come together and here's the size shaft I should be using. However, we call what we got the adjustable calculated weight chart, which you've got to run all the way down through the scenarios because each thing of the weight of the point, the speed of the bow, whether you're shooting fingers or release, uh, and then especially gets down to, the, like you said, the speed of the bow, can change that calculation. It isn't, you know, five years ago, when somebody says, I was shoot, I'm shooting a 60-pound compound bow, and I'm shooting a 30-inch arrow. Boom, you go to the chart, you go 30-inch arrow, you go 60 pounds, you go over where the square meets and say, there, I need this particular size arrow in this chart. Well, the problem is, is the 60-pound bows that we're making today, there may be some that 60 pounds is shooting 330 feet a second, and then some are 300 feet per second, and that bow that was made five years ago is shooting 270 feet a second. Total different characteristics as far as the dynamic kinetic energy that's being pushed out of there. The power stroke, the efficiencies of these bows today is so much greater. So now you've got to run through a chart that's going to take in those different bows and efficiencies to give you a calculated weight that you go over to the chart to determine what spine you're going to need. And that's been really the the most significant things that it's been a rough time for people to get you know, grasp on because they've been so used to shooting a 60-pound bow for 10 years and they buy a new bow and say, well, why can't these arrows that I had, my, you know, my bow I had, I got these same arrows and they shot great out of my other 60-pound bow, but they don't realize they're shooting 50 feet per second quicker. Right. That means you changed how that arrow's bending coming out of the bow. Now you may need a stiffer spine so that it gets back into where it should be for your forgiveness. Well, yeah, and I I think that those, honestly, the charts that, uh, you know, Carbon Express has and and all the different shaft manufacturers, uh, they're they're invaluable because, you know, I'm still confused oftentimes just by the nomenclature that the various companies use to label their shafts. For instance, uh, typically... You know, I know with Carbon Express and other folks, you know, there'll be, you know, some some 300s, some 400s, some 390s, and that kind of seems straightforward to me because I think it matches up to the deflection, but even that's not always the case because sometimes you have a shaft that's labeled a 400, but it's not a 400 spine. It's I'm not exactly sure how they get that number. And then you've got other shafts that are labeled like 55, 75s, which are, you know, I guess supposedly to be for bows that you're shooting between 55 and 75 pounds or something like that. So it's there's so many different numbers and ways of labeling these shafts that it seems to vary from one company to the next. And as you know, even though I I work you know and do this for a living, I try not to honestly figure that out. If I'm looking you know for a shaft for my bow, you know whichever manufacturer is making that, I'm going right to the chart because I can't necessarily make sense of all those numbers as a, as somewhat of a layman when it comes to arrows. Right. And, and a lot of times, we, we and we even did it too. We used to use, like for our Terminators, we used to use 50, uh, 45, 60, or 60, 75, and it would make it a quick reference, and it was usually pretty close in there. You had a, a 400 spine, you had a 340 spine is what those were in deflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it usually fell in pretty close. Well, now we've changed everything to ours 
is we put, you know, some companies put the exact spine that's on there or close to what their spine is. They may call it a 400. It may be a 410, a 390, a 412. You know, they're, they're, they're in those ballparks, okay? Gotcha. Uh, we use a lot of times a different thing. We don't put the spine. We'll use like a, um, a 350, 250, 150. And as we keep going down in numbers sizes, we go down and it goes down in spine. But we're not saying what the spine is. We want to drive them to a chart so that they can take and look at these charts and also look at the calculated adjusted charts to make sure they're plugging everything in to get to the, the right. Because the worst thing you can do is have an improper spined arrow, because that is the most important thing of the arrow, the spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, not straightness and, and all this other things they call like that. The spine is the most important to make them a good shooter because if you don't have forgiveness and consistency coming off your bow, it won't matter if you've got a 1,000 straightness, a 3,000 or 7,000 or 10,000 straightness, you're, you're, you're going to shoot bad because you don't have any forgiveness there. Gotcha. So let's. So spine let's, is most important of anything. And, and consistent equal spine in, within that dozen arrows is also very critical. So let's talk about that a little bit, Lenny. If What will I see with my arrow groups under these two scenarios. If I've got my bow and I'm shooting arrows that are significantly underspined, which means the arrows are too limp for my setup, and then if I'm shooting arrows that are overspined, which means that they're too stiff, what kind of an impact am I going to see on my accuracy under those two variables? Well, if they're too underspined, and in a hunting condition, uh, you're out of your tree stand, and you know we're, we're, you're, you're, you're getting some strange uh, angles sometimes, and your body's contorted and that type of thing. What you're going to end up is an erratic shotgun pattern going all over, especially when you put a broadhead on it, mm. because it's really, it's really flexing all over the place. Now. Sometimes you get bay more way better with uh, a little bit stiffer spine okay. uh, than than that lighter spine. Uh, then we have a broad hit on it, but because what's happening is it may not be flexing as much, but you're not giving the, the forgiveness. So when you shoot, if you just torqued it a little bit when you shot and it pushed it off, well, it may fly somewhat straight, but you already started it off on the, the wrong path from the start. Gotcha. Okay, so it's worse to shoot an underspine shaft than an overspine shaft, mm-hmm. but the best is always to have the right spine shaft, right. and it really shows up a big difference when you put a broadhead on it. And that kind of confirms something that I've always done as well, because uh, I don't know if other folks who are listening run into this, but what I find is I shoot uh, I shoot 60 pounds, but really it usually ends up being about 62, 63, because yeah, you know, if you have a six, uh, a bow with a 60-pound max limbs, if you bottom those out with the limb bolts, you always seem to get an extra two or three pounds actually out of that bow. So, so I'm generally shooting in that 62 to 63-pound range. And when I, a lot of times when I look on the the shaft selection charts, um, uh, I'm kind of on the borderline maybe between two different shaft models, and I'll always err on going with that little bit stiffer shaft if it's kind of in that gray area which i'm glad to hear you're saying that that's probably what i ought to do anyway yeah you you that you definitely will do that in fact most of the time i tell people when they when they when they uh they call in and they're trying to get some information or i'm talking to them at a show or that you know they say hey i'm at 62 or 63 pounds should i can I get by with shooting uh, uh, this arrow 250, which happens to be a 400 spine? And I'll say, what are you looking for? What are you trying to achieve? Are you looking for kinetic energy, great accuracy? Are you interested in you're more, more interested in speed than anything? Well, I'm interested in speed, they go. Well, I say, well, then it's real simple. Turn your bow down three to four pounds and go to the 250, 400 spine. Because right now, if you want your accuracy and want it at 63 pounds, you need to be 
at the, the our 350 side, which is a 340 spine, mm-hmm. but you're not going to have as much speed because you're at the you're kind of you're at you're the bottom of the of the scale for for a 340 spine, but you'll have accuracy with it. But if you're interested in speed, then you turn your bow down three to four pounds and go to the lighter arrow. And they kind of always look at me funny. I said, trust me, you'll pick up a lot of speed, and then you'll still have your accuracy. Yeah, because you're gonna you're gonna have a, a lighter shaft. You're going to have a lighter shaft, and you're also, uh, uh, yeah, right, and, and that lighter shaft, even though, you know, you, you're, you're turning it down, you, they think turning it down three or four pounds is like this astronomical big thing, but turning it down three or four pounds, especially as in today's bows, you're only knocking three or four feet per second off of that. Mm-hmm. So a gra- an arrow that ends up being 30 or 40 grains lighter, you're going to pick up a whole lot of feet per second by doing that. So it's... You know, again, it gets back to get the proper spine for it. And if you're interested in speed out of your particular bow, well, then, and if you're right at that edge, go down. Go down and wait. And you're going to get your speed and get to get your performance out of there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, we spent about 20 minutes talking about spine, which is is a good little while on one of these shows, but hopefully you know, people got a lot out of that. I know that I did. And, you know, what kind of sticks with me as we maybe get ready to, to now talk about some other aspects of shafts is something that you said, which is, you know, having the right spine for the setup that you have is more important than a lot of these other things that we're going to talk about next that probably get a lot more attention in the media and among the consumers you know guys are worried about do I spend the extra 30 or 40 dollars per dozen for a little bit of a straighter shaft or you know a fancier kind of fletching or something like that when you're saying hey it almost not that it doesn't matter it obviously matters some but relatively speaking it barely matters if you have the greatest shafts in the world and they're not spined properly for your setup you're just throwing it down the drain you know I, I I I look at uh, spine as the most crucial thing. I look at straightness as a secondary uh, thing, maybe even further down than, than than that in some cases. And a lot of people, a lot of manufacturers use that. A lot of um, consumers use that because it's easy to relate to. It's sometimes easier to, to measure than what spine is. But in reality, we consider our our company so important is that when you buy a higher grade arrow from us, sure, sometimes it's going to be a little bit straighter. But in most cases, our higher grade arrows is we spine select them. We're one of the only ones in the industry that have our arrows go through a special machines we developed that sorts these arrows out by grain weight, straightness, but then another machine they go right to and it sorts it out by spine. And we take that dozen or that 36-pack we sell to a dealer in bulk, or those shafts in a dozen, and we put them all together in that one box. And then when they buy them like that, they're buying spine-sorted arrows. That's how much we consider spine as being the key factor in good shooting. Gotcha, and that's, and that's going to give you the, the consistency in your, in your shot after shot. That's right. That's why when everybody always says at ours, say, hey, we spend a little bit more for Carbon Express, but when we buy a dozen arrows, every one of them shoots exactly the same. That's because we take and every arrow that's over $100 that we sell retail is spine selected. Now, let's jump into that whole straightness debate a little bit because, uh, again, you know, another conversation that I had recently and I thought it was pretty instructive and a lot of truth there, too, is... um, you know, let's say that you and I, Lenny, are uh, we're in your backyard and we're just having a little bit of fun. We're shooting shooting together, and uh, you're shooting uh, some some shafts, some of your high highest end shafts that might be, you know, say .003 or something like that straightness. And I'm shooting uh, one of your more entry level shafts that say is .006, and we're shooting field tips. Uh, chances are, all things being equal, uh, right? I mean, you and I are both top-notch shooters so we're not having any trouble here and you can't see any difference really in the groups that we're shooting with field field tips or probably even mechanical broadheads and maybe at 
you know, 40 yards and beyond with fixed blades, you're starting to see a little bit of a, a difference, but not a whole lot. I mean, is that kind of an accurate way to think about what you're getting for that for that extra money? I mean, uh, or am I off there? No, you, you, you're, you're really not going to see that much difference between a three and a six. Uh-huh. Uh, long as your, your bow's tuned good and, uh, and uh, you've got some, your arrow is, what do I want to say, uh, turning. In other words, if you've got straight fletch on there, you may see a little more difference. But I, I'm not a believer in straight fletch. I believe you've got to have that arrow turning. So if you got you know at least a, a two degree offset or a helical on there, and that arrow starts turning you know within a reasonable time after it comes out of the bow, whether it's a three fletch or I mean three thousandths or six thousandths, you're not going to see that much. Now if it's a one thousandths to a six thousandths at thirty yards and over, yeah, you you if you're good shooters, you will see that type of thing. But between three and six, no. And so what do you generally recommend then, Lenny? I mean. Obviously, I guess in a perfect world, you'd like everybody who bow hunts to, you know, buy the the most expensive shaft Carbon Express makes, and and everyone would be using it. But sort of in a reality uh, for say your average whitetail hunter who's going to be looking at shooting thirty yards and under, uh, what what's sort of your sweet spot shaft that you guys market to that segment of the the hunting population? Well, if somebody's looking, say, for uh, uh, under, say, under $100, mm-hmm. I look at, then, the archer. If he's relatively new, something like maybe our, our, our pile driver, which is a little heavier arrow, where he's going to be shooting, his shots are going to be 30 yards and under. The little heavier arrow tends to be a, not as critical and a little bit more forgiving, and and he can generally shoot pretty accurate that because like you said 30 yards and in with these new bows today even when I'm talking heavier oh it's like say it's around 10 grains per inch on that he, he's going to be very very happy very satisfied he's going to be there now if he wants a little more speed you know something maybe in our our, our mutiny or something like this we're still keeping not that hundred dollars and under type type thing he, he's going to be happy with that but. Uh, and then you give them a little bit more speed, but yet still it isn't the lightest. The worst thing I hate to see somebody do is they get and they're starting off in it or don't shoot very much, and they want to go speed, speed, speed. And then if that happens there, uh, one thing it can be a little detrimental if they don't shoot a, a lot to control, mm-hmm. it, uh, especially when you're, uh, you know, you may really torque it one time and not torque it the next time. Uh and you get a really, you know, you know, a higher end type bow that's got a lot of feet per second. That's when I tell people you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting an arrow that's designed that can handle that type of speed. Mm-hmm. When meaning it's got good spine selection thing, it's got uh, better carbon in that has faster recovery. Uh, it's not overly too light. Uh, you can get, you know, too light out there. You start getting below seven feet per second. Then, then it's just hard, hard to control. Yeah. Well, the other thing that you gain as well with the uh, little bit heavier of a shaft is um, that's going to absorb uh, a greater percentage of the energy from your bow and and pack a little bit more of a punch on impact too. You know, you, you guys had sent me some of those um, pile driver arrows this spring, and uh, I, I've been shooting those and uh, playing with them a little bit. And I uh, hope to do some hunting with them here this fall. I, I actually tried to do some hunting, a couple hunts with them this spring, and I couldn't close the deal. I, I took them on a hog hunt down in Georgia uh, in January, and I never got a shot at a hog. <laughs> and then I took them on a, a, an exotics hunt down in Texas and didn't end up shooting anything down there. So so I'm 0 for 2 with those things, so I've got to give them another chance this fall. But uh, what I was going to say is, you know, those things really hit, you know, like a cannonball. And uh, like you said, for shots 30 yards and in, you know, especially for a whitetail hunter, that pile driver is going to, I mean, if you put the shot on the money, I, I just really see, you know, a lot of devastation with that pile driver arrow. And, and you're not giving up a whole lot of speed, and you're going to pick up some kinetic energy. You know, one thing folks might want to look at uh, to kind of illustrate that is, you know, as you look at the magazine in Peterson's Bow Hunting and these 
uh, the high grade bow tests that we do, Lenny, is we always do, we test all our bows that, that we review at 65 pounds and 29 inches, which is a pretty common, you know, average setup for the bow hunters out there. And we test these bows at uh, with a 375 grain arrow and a 425 grain arrow. And even though the heavier shaft always flies more slowly through the chronograph than the lighter shaft, um, the kinetic energy is basically equal or sometimes even a little higher for the heavier slower shaft because oh. it's soaking up that much more energy so you know when guys get caught up in speed like you say a lot of times they're not really gaining anything in terms of you know downrange lethality for those extra feet per second and they may be especially like you said if they're if they're not real avid archers, if they don't shoot a whole lot, they may be actually giving up some accuracy that they'd be better off keeping with a slightly slower, heavier arrow. Uh, that's that's absolutely true. I, I uh, always recommend for people that's hog hunting or people going after bigger game, especially if the shots are you know 30 yards in, 40 yards in, uh, going to Africa, that type of thing, to use a, a heavier shaft. When I go to Africa... I always use a heavier shaft. Uh, a lot of times I'm hunting water hole type situations. And sure, if you've got an Impala coming in, which is smaller than a whitetail, you know, there's not much there. But the next thing you know, it could be a wildebeest or a water buck or a zebra, you know, and so on and so forth. You've you, you got it stepping in a 700 to a 900-pound animal. You're going to want something that's going to deliver all that maximum kinetic energy. And the heavier shaft will out-penetrate even though it's going slower, it will out-penetrate a lighter-type shaft. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, again, it depends on, on your, your game, what you're looking for. Now, a lot of guys, they'll take and uh, they'll go a lighter shaft, like, for instance, they're out west and they're hunting mule deer. And some of these shots may be out there in the excess of 50 yards, uh, which is not uncommon. They'll, they'll want a little bit flatter trajectory out, out there, but... You know, uh, they're shooting deer, in, which is not a relatively huge animal. And uh, what I'm saying, huge compared to a, you know, uh, a, a moose or, uh, or uh, a kudu or, you know, these types of animals, mm -hmm. or even an elk. So, so you're going to be fine for penetration. But uh, so they, they want the, you know, a little bit more speed out there. Mm -hmm. Now, here's another instance where people a lot of times will get, contact me and say, I want an arrow for caribou hunting. I'm going up caribou hunting. What should I do? And my shots are going to be anywhere from 10 yards to 70 yards. I said, have you ever been caribou hunting before? I said, no, I have. I said, three times. The wind is always blowing up there, and it's always tundra wide open. I go with a heavy shaft, and he say, why is that? I'll see, because the heavy shaft doesn't blow it over as far as with a real light shaft, even though I may be shooting further. Mm -hmm. But I never go caribou hunting without a rangefinder, and I first got a rangefinder before I'll do anything. But once I got the range, that heavier arrow, I know where it's going, what it's going to do. I then have something that doesn't get blowed as much around with the heavier shaft. So that's always a consideration, too, is if you're hunting in areas where you got a lot of open area with a lot of wind all the time, Heavier shaft will give you much better penetration than a light shaft. I mean, it might be better on-track accuracy from, than from getting blown over so much as, as a lighter shaft will. Gotcha. All right. Well, listen, let's jump into a, another t aspect of arrows here. Okay, we talked about spine. We talked about uh, a straightness. We talked about uh, the sort of the pros and cons of different arrow weights. Let's talk a little bit about fletchings now. Um, uh, what kind of fletchings uh, are you seeing as providing the best performance for the bow hunter these days in terms of, you know, fletching lengths, uh, profiles, and as well as, like you said, uh, offsets and helicals and that sort of thing? Uh, is there an optimum in your mind for the average guy, or does it really vary on the kind of hunting that you, you want to do, Lenny? Well, I, I believe there is an optimum. Uh, for years, it was, of course, 5-inch, then it went down to 4-inch, and the reason for it is those veins were very flexible. But in slow motion, if you watch what happens when they're leaving the boat and then starting to, you know, take their path out of the boat and downrange, these veins bend over 
you know, the, 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 the air current pushing against them pushes them over and they ripple in effect and they push over. So it takes a longer length to be able to get them, get them to start to be able to turn. Uh, I'm a proponent for using the shorter veins, i.e., you've got the blazer veins, you've, you've got uh, the fusion vein, uh, predator vein out there, fusion vein by Norway, predator vein by Norway, blazer, of course, is by boning. Some of these type of veins, where they're a stiffer vein, with them being stiffer and also the surface on these veins is very rough, so with the air going past them, it kind of kind of grabs them a little bit more, and you put at least a two-degree helical or two-degree helical or two-degree offset. Uh, myself personally, I like to use more like about a four-degree offset on them or a four-degree helical. Mm -hmm. I like to get it turning faster. With these shorter veins, I see a, a, a much better groups and performance because they're more consistent than with these longer more flexible veins were, especially in the wind, because they're not flopping around as much. They're, they're turning that arrow more consistency, coming out more consistent out there. So I'm a strong believer in that shorter, stiffer vein that's going to give you every bit as much steering as the longer veins did, but I think even more consistency out there, and especially when you put a broadhead on it. Yeah, and so it's it's a little counterintuitive at first glance because guys are going to naturally think, well, a longer vein is going to give me better steerage. But that's not really the case if you look at the, the advances that we've got in the materials and the design of the veins of today are actually, you know, every bit as effective or even more effective with a shorter, stiffer vein than something that you would have been using five ten years ago that was longer so and i agree with you lenny because i've shot i think you guys actually offer some of your shafts come with predator veins installed as well as maybe some blazers i know i've shot some of your i think those pile drivers that you sent me have predator veins on them and for the last couple of years i've been shooting those fusion veins too i i shot uh, some two inch or 2.1 inch versions last year and then they came out with a new 3 inch this year that I fletched up a dozen arrows with those and and I really like those so um and again I'm I'm generally shooting an offset uh helical's good too I don't know that there's really a lot of guys just swear and insist that you've you know helical's the only way to go I think offset is fine and obviously one equipment consideration if you're shooting a whisker biscuit or any kind of a capture rest like like the hostage from octane uh, things like that you're better off with an offset because the helical's just gonna the rest is gonna burn up your fletchings a little a little quicker than it will with the straight offset and and I still think you get pretty decent rotation with an offset fletch right you, you need something on there offset or helical you're true some arrow rests don't shoot a helical very well uh because there's not enough clearance of, of where it's coming around to hit it right i mean if you're shooting uh, course, a drop away you're not, usually fine with a helical but if you've got something that's holding you know the shaft actually has to physically pass through you that that curvature of the veins is going to kind of grab as it passes through the rest. Right, right, right. That's like like whisker uh, whisker biscuits. Mm -hmm. We always recommend an offset vein compared to a full helical out of a whisker biscuit, for instance, mm -hmm. because there is that grab there, and you're going to get enough steerage with an offset. Uh, you know, you want to, like I said, at least. I don't think one degree is enough. I think the optimum is 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 two degrees mm -hmm. uh, for an offset because you still want it for it to turn enough. Sure. Uh, but, but anyway, you, you're 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 going to need to have some type of uh, curvature there, uh, so that you get that arrow arrow spinning. That's the critical thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, and when and when I'm shooting out, you know, in the yard, uh, when I practice, one thing I always like to see, you know, as that arrow is hammering home into the target, you know, you just you can see that that rotation and that nice spin as it just kind of twists itself uh, into the target and uh you know it just gives you a lot of stability with your arrow flight when you've got that rotation well, listen man there's two other things unless i'm missing something that i think we need to touch on to kind of complete the package here because we talked about spine and, and arrow weight we talked about fletching let's talk a little bit about uh, uh knocks and inserts and the importance of um you know 
installing them correctly and the role that they play in, in the overall package. Uh, Tell me a little bit about uh, how you install your knocks, whether you square your shafts, and then in terms of the inserts, uh, do you pretty much just stick with what's provided, you know, sort of out of the factory, or uh, do you think there's a place for maybe experimenting with weighted inserts and things like that as you want to maybe play with FOC and uh, how that relates to your arrow flight and penetration and that sort of thing? Uh, my theory is this, when it comes to the inserts, let's talk a little bit about there. If you happen to be building your own arrows, mm -hmm. uh, a, a critical thing is to always remember is, especially on carbon arrows, is when you cut them, there's going to be a little bit of dust. So you always need to clean that carbon dusk out of there. I always tell people to take a Q-tip, take some, some denatured alcohol and clean that dust out because if you glue, glue to dust instead of to a clean shaft, you're going to have problems. So Been there. always Done prepare that, that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've pulled, and then, I've, I've pulled then, my And then make sure you use yeah. a good proper uh, yeah. glue. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, we make an express, uh, our CX bond, it works really good. There's some other great glues on the market of there. Uh, don't use a really uh, quick set type. I know I sign out, act like that's real runny that dries in like 30 seconds because that will just break loose. It gets crystallized. The same thing is don't use five-minute epoxy. You use epoxy that's at least a two-hour dry or 24-hour because you can then shoot them, and they stay a little bit more pliable. They don't get rock hard so that if they insert or arrow hits hard, something hard, it'll break that brine. We call crystallize it. It just really shatters it like glass will, and the insert pulls out. Now, you know, inserts, you know, I'm – when it comes to waiting out the insert, do you want to play with your FOC, which of course is your your front of center balance on it? You can do that by just changing broadheads, uh, 100 grain or, or go 125 grain to see if you get a little performance. What generally is what's happening there, though, is your arrow, if you're getting a little better flight, your arrow is probably that you need 125 grain. It's probably that's a little bit on the stiff side for your spine, and uh, by adding more weight to the front, it's softening that spine up, that dynamic spine when it's coming out of the bow, and and giving you the, a little bit better recovery out. A lot of people will say, well, I, uh, you know, I really don't want to go to 125 grain broadhead. Uh, it tends to shoot a little bit better. I'll say, well, just stay with 100 grain broadhead, but just don't cut your arrows off as short. Leave them an inch longer, three quarters of an inch longer, and you'll find that I'll soften that arrow up and give you your performance out there. So I'm not one to sit there and play with all these weights and things in the back of inserts and putting them in and out like that. I'd rather do it with playing with the length a little bit, a little bit, or or, or going to a little heavier broadhead if 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 you if if you feel like you want more more weight to the front of it because you, uh, you need to, uh, it flies a little bit better for you, probably because your arrow is a little bit too stiff. Or maybe you want just more general weight on your whole arrow uh, uh, to get make more mass weight on it. Now, knock ends, there is a lot of different knocks available on the market that uh, the critical thing on the knock end is when you're putting your knock in, you should spin your shaft, uh, spin it on a spinner. Um, if you can roll it on a table or, or other, just got to make sure that knock is straight because that is the most critical portion on that on your arrow. If your knock is bent at the back, it's is way worse than if you got a two or three thousands bent at the at the point end of your shaft because it's where it's pushing it out that'll push it off on on an angle. And also with knocks because we make knocks that fit our shaft and TCX are our hunting shafts, but you can go a pin knock adapter that goes in our shaft with also uh, pin knocks, which is a smaller type size knock. And uh, some people like those, especially if they're using uh, a, a tighter serving or a smaller serving thread on there. They feel they're getting a little bit more consistent um, release off the string the same each time like target archers do, they, they use those type of smaller knocks to get a little more consistency out there. But the one thing you don't have is you don't, I mean, we don't want, you don't want a knock that comes off the string too tight because that's going to give you inconsistencies 
or one that just about falls off every time because it's it usually will rotate a little bit back and forth, and that'll get in. There's an optimum snap feeling to there, and it's not a hard snap. So I tell people, you know, as long as your arrow shaft is straight and every arrow is snapping on your string about the same, you're going to have pretty good consistencies. What happens is, is people start to wear their servings out, and it's not the knocks or the arrows type problems that are coming off inconsistency. Is the serving is kind of spread apart. You know how you you shoot and all of a sudden your serving will kind of spread apart and you're starting to see your stands of your string. Yeah. Well, now your knock is not fitting the same. Right. And and it's too loose and it's coming off that way. So that can be more of a problem than than just the knock itself. But the most critical thing on this knock is it has to spin straight on that shaft. If it doesn't, you got a crooked knock, maybe a bad molded knock, or or, or a bad um, brand of knock that that they're not inconsistent for being straight into the shaft. Mm-hmm. That is your biggest. That can be the, your a huge problem, more so than anything else. Uh, even the straightness of the shaft. I mean, you can have a perfectly straight shaft. You have a crooked knock on it. Ooh. Yeah. You're going to have very undesirable uh, effects downrange. And that's something that I don't think the vast majority of, of archers spend a whole lot of time thinking about. You know, if, if people are actually interested in the whole issue of knock fit and the way that it can impact accuracy, pick up a copy of our um, September uh, issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting, which will be on sale uh, the first week of August. We've got a feature article in there called Don't Get Knocked Up. And it's all about how uh, knocks that fit, you know, too tightly or too loosely, or if you've got a, a knocking loop or knock sets that are pinching the knock at full draw, it really uh, can have a pretty dramatic impact on your group size. You wouldn't think that a little as a millimeter uh, in spacing between your knock sets or the width of your, your knocking loop uh, could make a big impact, or a little as a thousandth of an inch in the width of your serving uh, thread would would you know be that critical but it really can be so it's like anything else in archery Lenny you know the people who are the best at this game are the ones who pay attention to the the little things and the small details and uh, you know that's when you know you're kind of getting somewhere in this in this world when you when you start to be able to you know the big things are taken care of and you're doing that fine-tuning and maximizing you know everything you can get out of your equipment yeah, and I agree with you when it comes to on on the 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 knocks because we do a lot of testing uh, as far as with string loops and with knock points and just you know tight on knock points and how tight they should be and and here's here's a little, little uh, food for thought and I recommend this to everybody. I see a lot of people they'll put a string loop on their bow and then they'll tie some thread over the top side of it to keep it from sliding up because it tends to see things tend to slide up mm-hmm. or they'll put some thread above the knock and then they got their uh their first then they'll put their string loop back from there and then then they have their string loop you know right below the knock mm-hmm. in reality if you want to be most consistent you put your thread tie it below your knock and then put your string loop below that, and then tie your other string loop above your knock, and that keeps your knock from tightening up against the string, the bottom string loop of the knot section from tightening up against your knock, and you'll be much more consistent through uh, uh, with by doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Most of your top target archers have found out that when they did that, you've gotten much more consistent because the the string loop is not binding up and sliding up at different tensions against the knock. Mm-hmm. One more question, Lenny, quickly. I wanted to address this, though, if we if we can, is the issue of shaft diameter. It seems like in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk about offering shafts that are a little bit narrower in, in, in width than... Uh, some of the older shafts and the idea being that uh, if you have actually a smaller shaft it's going to penetrate better because there's less surface area to create friction uh, in the animal uh, when you hit it. Uh, What kind of a variation uh, from large to small does Carbon Express 
uh, offer shafts in and what are your personal feelings on the benefits if any that uh, a slightly smaller diameter shaft might give you in a, a hunting application okay in a hunting I'm glad you said hunting application because target wise you shoot a smaller diameter you're, you're going to get better penetration on a foam target that with a smaller diameter shaft if they were equal to the same weight as this larger diameter or what we call a standard but we shoot and do testing in ballistic gel and and then also record this with our high-speed camera we have in our lab mm -hmm. and we've taken all the shafts on the market of various different diameters and what i was saying from a standard to the smaller diameter when i'm saying standard that's for like our maximum, our maxima hunter, or what we consider kind of like every gold tip, the rest of them that's got a kind of like a standard diameter. Mm -hmm. And then we've taken these smaller, thinner shafts, and we put a broadhead on the front of it. We put a three-bladed broadhead that has a one and an eighth-inch cut fixed uh, blades on the broadhead, mm -hmm. and shot them into ballistic gel at 40 meters, or as uh, what happens to be, we used to do a lot of testing at. Uh, in a 60-pound bow and a 30-inch arrow. We have found that it makes, and then these arrows will weigh the same, we have found there's absolutely no difference in penetration on ballistic gel, which is the most consistent. That's what labs use all over the world for ballistic testing and guns and everything, and we find it's the most consistent for, for, for shooting for broadhead tests and penetration tests. No difference between a small diameter and the standard diameter because of the fact your broadhead's cutting a much bigger hole than what the shaft is going through. Mm. Okay, now what does make a difference is the weight of the shaft. When you start introducing a heavier shaft, whether it's a bigger diameter, heavier shaft compared to the small diameter lighter, or it's a small diameter a uh, heavier shaft compared to a lighter big diameter, the heavier shaft will always out-penetrate it. It's the, the weight of that shaft, that, that push, uh, that will give you uh, your, your greater uh, penetration. And also the fact that we've tested things and played with weights of shafts as far as the lengths. The longer you have a shaft compared to a shorter shaft, even if they're the same diameter, and have one say four inches longer and then shoot it into the ballistic gel the, even though the weights are the same the longer shaft out penetrates the shorter shaft because you have more on the outside pushing before you got any type of resistance whatsoever against that shaft there that's why I recommend like for instance when I my wife went to Africa we stepped up in one spine size, even when those it was more stiffer for her, but I added three inches of length to her arrows because she wanted to shoot a gems buck, which is about a five to six hundred pound animal, and she can only shoot fifty pounds. Mm -hmm. Is because of the fact I knew that longer shaft it's going to be, no more that was going to be heavier, but I knew that longer shaft was itself going to give her better penetration. Okay, so bottom line, Lenny, uh, according to your testing as well as. Uh, you know, your personal field experience, uh, guys are better off paying attention to the length and weight of their shaft more so than the diameter. And we'll leave it at that because we've got to wrap up. Before we close, if people are interested in learning more about Carbon Express arrows, maybe uh, the technology that you guys use in your shafts and manufacturing, I think, as well as maybe even some high-speed video and that sort of thing, they can find that kind of uh, information on your website, correct? Yes, they can They can go to our website. We're, in fact, we're just putting some more new stuff on there. And in uh, about another week, we'll have some more new stuff that'll drive them also to a, a YouTube page that we have, which we're going to have quite a bit of slow motion and in, in things going on there. We're just about wrapped that up that uh, we'll have that here in, in about a week. And what is your website, Lenny? It's www.carbonexpressarrows.com. Okay. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. It's hard to believe that we talked for an entire hour it flew past, but I think we covered 
you know most of the big topics when it comes to arrows arrow selection and arrow building and there was a lot of information there Lenny you've obviously uh, been at this long enough to really know your stuff I thank you for educating me educating the listeners and hopefully you know everybody who hears this interview can pull out one two or three things that will stick with them and make them a better archer and a better bow hunter out there in the field so thanks again i really appreciate your time well i appreciate you having me on thank you well thanks again and uh good luck to you this fall in the field and uh uh, hopefully you stack up a few more good trophies with the carbon express oh i'm counting on it (laughs) (laughs) all right man bye-bye thanks for listening to peterson's bow hunting radio with editor christian burr For more information on this and other topics, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.